took the pipe from her lips. Eighteen years now I have seen you growing up, Tyrell Sackett, and for twelve of them you've been drawing and shooting. Pa told me when you was fifteen that he'd never seen the like. Ride with the law, Ty, never against it. She drew the shawl tighter about her knees. If the Lord wills, we will meet again in the western lands. The way I took led across the state line and south, then west. Ollie Shattuck would not follow beyond the line of the state, so I put Tennessee behind me before the hills had a shadow. It was wild land through which the trail led, west out of Tennessee into Arkansas, the Ozarks, and by lonely trails into Kansas. When I rode at last into the street at Baxter Springs, folks figured me for one more mountain renegade coming to help keep tick-infected Texas cattle out of the country. But I was of no such mind. It was eight miles to where the Texas men held their cattle, so there I rode, expecting no warm welcome for a stranger. Riding clear of the circling riders, I rode up to the fire, the smell of grub turning my insides over. Two days I'd been without eating, with no money left and too proud to ask for that for which I could not pay. A short square man with a square face and a mustache called out to me. You there, on the gray. What do you want? A job if one's to be had, and a meal if you've grub to spare. My name's Tyrell Sackett, and I'm bound westward from Tennessee toward the Rockies. But if there's a job, I'll ride straight up to it. He looked me over, mighty sharp, and then he said, Get down, man. Come to the fire. No man has ever been turned from my fire without a meal inside him. I'm Belden. When I'd tied Dapple, I walked up to the fire and there was a big handsome man lying on the ground by the fire, a man with a golden beard like one of those Vikings Pa used to tell of. Hell, he said agreeably, it's a farmer. What's wrong with farming? I asked him. You wouldn't have your belly full of beans right now if they hadn't been farmed by somebody. We've had our troubles with farmers, Mr. Sackett, Belden said. There's been shooting. The farmers killed a man for me. So, said a voice alongside, so maybe we should kill a farmer. He had a niche for trouble, and his kind I'd met before. He was a medium-tall man with a low-hanging shoulder on his gun side. His black brows met over his nose, and his face was thin and narrow. If it was trouble he was hunting, he was following the right trail to get it. Mister, I told him, any time you think you can kill this farmer, you just have at it. He looked across the fire at me, surprised, I think, because he had expected fear. My clothes showed I was from the hills, a patched, old homespun shirt, jeans stuffed into clumsy boots. It was sure that I looked like nothing at all. Only if a man looked at the pistol I wore, he could see there'd been a sight of lead shot out of that barrel. That's enough, Carney, Mr. Belden said sharply. This man is a guest at our fire. The cook brought me a plate of grub, and it smelled so good I didn't even look up until I had emptied that plate and another and swallowed three cups of hot black coffee. Up in the hills, we like our coffee strong, but this year would make bob wire grow on a man's chest in the place of hair. The man with the golden beard watched me, and he said to Mr. Belden, Boss, you better hire this man. If he can work like he can eat, you've got yourself a hand. Question is, Carney broke in, can he fight? It was mighty quiet around that fire when I put my plate aside and got up. Mister, 
I didn't kill you before because when I left home, I promised Ma I'd go careful with the gun, but you're a mighty trying man. Carney had the itch, all right, and as he looked across the fire at me, I knew that sooner or later I was going to have to kill this man. You promised Ma, did you? He scoffed. We'll see about that. He brought his right foot forward about an inch, and I turned near laughed at him, but then from behind me came a warm, rich voice, and it spoke clear and plain. Mister, you just back up and sit down. I ain't aiming to let Tyrell hang up your hide right now, so you just sit down and cool off. It was Orrin, and knowing Orrin, I knew his rifle covered Carney. Thanks, Orrin. Ma made me promise to go careful. She told me, and lucky for this gent. He stepped down from the saddle, a fine, big, handsome man with shoulders wide enough for two strong men. He wore a belt gun, too, and I knew he could use it. Are you two brothers? Belden asked. Brothers from the hills, Warren said, bound west for the new lands. You're hired, Mr. Belden said. I like men who work together. So that was how it began. But more had begun that day than any of us could guess, least of all the fine-looking man with the beard who was Tom Sunday, our foreman on the drive. From the moment he had spoken up, all our lives were pointed down a trail together but no man could read the sign. From the first, Orrin was a well-loved man. With that big, easy way of his, a wide smile, as well as courage and humor enough for three men, he was a man to ride the trail with. He did his share of the work and more, and at night around the fire he would sing or tell yarns. When he sang to the cows in that fine Welsh baritone of his, everybody listened. Nobody paid me much mind. Right off, they saw I could do my work, and they let me do it. When Oren told them I was the tough one of the two, they just laughed. Only there was one or two of them who didn't laugh. And of these, one was Tom Sunday, the other, Cap Roundtree, a thin, wiry old man with a walrus mustache who looked to have ridden a lot of trails. The third day out, Tom Sunday fetched up alongside me and asked, Ty, what would you have done if Reed Carney had grabbed his gun? Why, Mr. Sunday, I said, I'd have killed him. He glanced at me. Yes, I expect you would have. He swung off then, only turned in his saddle. Call me Tom. I'm not much on long-handled names. Have you seen those Kansas plains? Have you seen the grass stretch away from you to the horizon? Grass and nothing but grass, except for flowers here and there and maybe the white of buffalo bones but grass moving gentle under the long wind, moving like a restless sea with the hand of God upon it. On the fifth day, when I was riding point by myself and well out from the herd, a dozen men came riding out of a ravine, all bunched up. Right off I had a smell of trouble, so instead of waiting for them to come up, I rode right to meet them. It was a mighty pleasant day, and the air was balmy with summer. Overhead the sky was blue and only a mite of cloud drifting like a lost white buffalo over the plain of the sky. When they were close, I drew up and waited, my Spencer 56 cradled on my saddle, my right hand over the trigger guard. They drew up, a dirty, rough-looking bunch, their leader mean enough to sour cream. We're cutting your herd. He was a mighty abrupt man. We're cutting it now. You come through the settlements and swept up a lot of our cattle, 
and they had our grass. Well, I looked at him, and I said, I reckon not. Sort of aimless-like, I'd switched that Spencer to cover his belt buckle, my right finger on the trigger. Look here, boy, he started in to bluster. Mister, I said, this here Spencer ain't no boy, and I'm just after making a bet with a fella. He says one of those big belt buckles like you got would stop a bullet. Me, I figure a chunk of lead fifty-six caliber would drive that buckle right back into your belly. Mister, if you want to be a sport, we can settle that bet. He was white around the eyes, and if one of the others made a wrong move, I was going to drop the bull of the herd and as many others as time would allow. Back! It was one of the men behind the leader. I know this boy. This here is one of them sockets I've been telling you about. It was one of those no-account Aikens from Turkey Flat who'd been run out of the mountains for hog-stealing. Oh, Back smiled kind of sickly. Had no idea you was friends. Boy, he said, you folks just ride on through. Thanks. That there's just what we figured to do. They turned tail around and rode off, and a couple of minutes later hooves drummed on the sod, and here came Mr. Belden, Tom Sunday, Cap Browntree, and Reed Carney, all a-sweat and expecting trouble. When they saw those herd cutters ride off, they were mighty surprised. Ty, Mr. Belden asked, what did those men want? They figured to cut your herd. What happened? They decided not to. He looked at me mighty sharp. Kneeing Dapple around, I started back to the herd. Now what do you make of that? I could hear Belden saying. I'd have sworn that was back Rand. It was, Roundtree commented dryly. But that there's quite a boy. When Oren asked me about it at the fire that night, I just said, Aiken was there, from Turkey Flat. Carney was listening. Aiken who? Who's Aiken? He's from the mountains, Oren said. He knows the kid. Reed Carney said nothing more, but a couple of times I noticed him sizing me up like he hadn't seen me before. There would be trouble enough, but man is born to trouble, and it is best to meet it when it comes, and not lose sleep until it does. Only there was more than trouble, for beyond the long grass plains were the mountains, the high and lonely mountains where some day I would ride, and where some day, the good Lord willing, I would find a home. How many trails? How much dust and loneliness? How long a time until then? Chapter Two There was nothing but prairie and sky, the sun by day and the stars by night, and the cattle moving westward. If I live to be a thousand years old, I shall not forget the wonder and the beauty of those big longhorns, the sun glinting on their horns, most of them six or seven feet from tip to tip. Some there were like old Brindle, our lead steer, whose horns measured a fair nine feet from point to point, and who stood near to seventeen hands high. It was a sea of horns above the red, brown, brindle, and white splashed backs of the steers. They were big, wild, and fierce, ready to fight anything that walked the earth. And we who rode their flanks or the drag, we loved them and we hated them. We cussed and reviled them, but we moved them westward toward what destination we knew not. Sometimes at night when my horse walked a slow circle around the bedded herd, 
I'd look at the stars and think of Ma, and wonder how things were at home. And sometimes I'd dream great dreams of a girl I'd know someday. Suddenly something had happened to me, and it happened to Orin, too. The world had burst wide open. And where our narrow valleys had been, our hog-backed ridges, our huddled towns and villages, there was now a world without end or limit. Where our world had been one of a few mountain valleys, it was now as wide as the earth itself, and wider. For where the land ended there was sky, and no end at all to that. We saw no one. The plains were empty. No cattle had been before us, only the buffalo and war parties of Indians crossing. No trees, only the far and endless grass, always whispering its own soft story. Here ran the antelope, and by night the coyotes called their plaintive songs to the silent stars. Mostly a man rode by himself, but sometimes I'd ride along with Tom Sunday or Cap Browntree, and I learned about cattle from them. Sunday knew cows all right, but he was a sight better educated than the rest of us, although not one for showing it. Sometimes, when we rode along, he would recite poetry or tell me stories from the history of ancient times, and it was mighty rich stuff. Those old Greeks he was always talking about, they reminded me of mountain folk I'd known, and it fair made me ache to know how to read myself. Roundtree talked mighty little, but whatever he said made a sight of sense. He knew Buffalo, although there was always something to learn about them. He was a mighty hard old man, rode as many hours as any of us, although he was a mighty lot older. I never did know how old he was, but those hard old gray eyes of his had looked on a sight of strange things. Man could make some money, Roundtree said one day. Over in the breaks of western Kansas and Colorado. Lots of cows over there, belonging to nobody. Stuff drifted up from the Spanish settlements to the south. When Roundtree spoke up, it was because there was an idea behind it. Right then I figured something was stirring in that coot's skull, but nothing more was said at the time. Orrin and me, we talked it over. Each of us wanted a place of our own, and we wanted a place for Ma and the boys. A lot of cattle belonging to no man? It sounded good to us. It would take an outfit, Oren said. Tom Sunday, I was sure, would be for it. From things he'd said on Night Herd, I knew he was an ambitious man, and he had plans for himself out west. Educated the way he was, there was no telling how far he would go. Time to time, he talked a good deal about politics. Out west, a man could be whatever.